What a blessing to have Keith and Sharon Lancaster here this weekend. You have blessed us over and over again in more ways than we could ever tell you. Thank you, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why should we care about our worship assemblies? There are few people that I've met in my entire life that believe as strongly in the importance of our worship assemblies, including our singing, as this man right here. But when you read the pages of the New Testament, you don't hear a lot about the worship assemblies, actually. Most of the passages of the New Testament are not in the context of the worship assembly. But the ones that are, the ones that are tell us how important this time is for the church, how vital, how crucial it is for the church. Living a joyful life must include participating in the worship assemblies of the church. That's been the theme of this series of sermons from Philippians that we've been discussing. And just as Keith shared that singing is not an option. It's something that is commanded in the scripture. It's something that is because, not because God gave us a voice, as he said, but because he gave us a song. He gave us a song to sing. A message to share, to bring others in, and to encourage one another as we do that. Living a joyful life must include participating in the worship assemblies of the church. And so let's speak for a few minutes this morning about that. Worship, first of all, can be direct or it can be indirect. Direct worship is vertical worship. It's that worship that is between me and God. And we think of passages such as the Lord's Prayer. That's a very uh, direct worship passage. We speak, think of those passages such as Keith has quoted to us this weekend in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 that call us to sing and to encourage one another in that and to be full of the Spirit of Christ and let that fullness overflow into our singing. Much of the law of Moses, much of the prophets direct worship, but it can also be indirect. And there's so much of the scripture. In fact, the majority of the New Testament is about this part. Indirect worship, worship that is horizontal, worship that speaks to how you treat me and how I treat you. How as Christians, we treat each other, how we talk to each other, how we encourage each other, how we help each other. And so many wonderful passages on that. Romans 12, our bodies are to be living sacrifices. That's a worship word. And what part of our lives is not covered by that call? Well, that's 24-7. That's all the time. Much of the law of Moses, in fact, the majority, six of the Ten Commandments are about this part, not the other part, about how we treat each other. We see that so much. These words from Hebrews chapter 13 Uh, Verses 15 and 16, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that profess his name. That's direct worship offered up directly to God. And yet the very next verse, verse 16, and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, worship word, God is pleased. And so they're different, but there's a direct worship like we're doing today, and there's an indirect worship like you do when you encourage each other today. Direct worship, secondly, can be private or corporate. Direct worship can be by yourself, when you pray by yourself, when you're in your shower singing by yourself. And from what I've heard, we're all thankful (laughs) for that. 
It's when you're singing in your car. It's when you're driving down Broadway in your car and you offer up a prayer to the Lord. (laughs) That is direct worship, but it's private. It's just you. It's just you. Today is corporate. Today is all of us together. And guess what that means? That means it's more than just about you. It's about that person on the pew with you. It's about that person that's across the aisle from you. It's about that person that you notice is not here. Corporate worship can be a lot of different things. But the most important one, the most significant one, the absolute crucial one is what we're doing right now here today. The worship assembly is just that. It's an assembly. And the uniqueness of the worship assembly is that it is the time when the church gathers together to worship God and encourage each other. There is just nothing else that matches it. You can have a youth devo. You can have a young at heart devo. You can have a small groups devo like many of our groups are having this weekend. You can have a few families that gather together for a time of prayer and worship and praise. All of that is wonderful and good, but it's not this. It's not this. Only this is when the whole church gathers together to worship the Lord and encourage each other while we do it. That's why this cannot be missed. And that's why the scriptures call us to be faithful in doing this. The assembly, the worship assembly of the church is a unique experience that only happens here. Doesn't mean those others aren't good. Doesn't mean those others aren't important. It just means they're not this. And God has called us to take part in this with all of our hearts with all of our minds, in our direct corporate worship assemblies, I would hope that each one of us worships our Lord personally in our hearts. But again, the difference today is that we are doing that together as a group, as the body of Christ. And that's why living a joyful life must include participating in the worship assemblies of the church. And as Keith has been so wonderful in sharing with us this weekend, it's not a funeral. You know, the way some of our brethren come to church and worship, it's like they haven't read that Jesus rose from the grave. He's still on the cross. He's still in the tomb. And we're so very thankful that he did that. That's why we're saved. That's why he came to earth. But that tomb is empty. And the joy of the New Testament church in the midst of the most horrible persecution could not be taken away. Our worship should be a time of celebration, a time of great joy. In spite of everything that we've been through, we sang yesterday, I still have joy. And so a couple of things about the purpose and the focus of our worship assemblies. First of all, the purpose of our worship assembly is encouragement. Now, I get a lot of raised eyebrows when I say that. And those of you that come, have been here at West Irwin, you've heard me say it many times, but the purpose of our worship assembly, interestingly enough, is not to worship God. We do that all the time. We do that in every setting. Sometimes it's direct, sometimes it's indirect, but today we're doing it together. Today is family day. Today we're worshiping our God together, and the reason for that is so that we might be encouraged. Want to know the BCVs on that? They're on the outline. Our passage, you know, 728B is our song. Someone yesterday had a shirt on that said 728B. 
I, I kind of wanted to steal it from him, but he seemed to be wearing it the whole time. So, <clears throat> our God, he is alive in the old songbook. But as we think of that, we think of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, that we have used to beat people over the head and say, you got to go to church. Don't forsake, don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together, as some is already in the habit of doing. But rather what? Encourage each other. That's why you go to church. You can worship God anywhere. You can sing wonderful praises to God anywhere. You can pray. We, we found you can even take communion at home. But what you can't do is what we're doing right now. <clears throat> what you can't do is encourage one another. And that's the force behind Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Why? Because the people that received that book, that letter, they were ready to give it all up. They were really ready to throw it all away because it had been far worse for them physically and emotionally since they became Christians. And they decided, well, maybe this isn't worth it after all. And so the writer of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit, sends that letter to them. And in the midst of that, after saying all kinds of ways, Jesus is better than any alternative. He begins to apply it in chapter 10 and he says, don't stop going to church. You need it. The people that are there need you there. Encourage one another. And especially as you see that day coming closer and closer. 1 Corinthians 14 is another one of those very rare instances where the whole chapter, the context is the worship assembly. What we're doing right now. And you know what Paul says over and over and over again in 1 Corinthians 14? Whatever you do, it better be done for what? Edification. Encouragement. If it's not encouraging each other, it doesn't belong in the worship assembly. He even told some who had the miraculous gift of of prophecy. Hey, if nobody else is listening, if nobody else can understand this, if you're speaking in an unknown tongue, an unknown language... Do that at home. Don't do that at church because nobody else has helped. And today, we're here to help each other, to encourage each other. It's an amazing, amazing statement as we read that. That context of 1 Corinthians 11 with the Lord's Supper, they're told what you're doing is not partaking of the Lord's Supper if it's not being considerate of one another. Purpose of our worship assembly is encouragement. And so a couple of things from this passage in Philippians chapter 2. First of all, the joy of worship is unity. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, spirit if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. The joy of worship is unity. It's a togetherness. It's, it's being united, not uniformity. We're not all alike. But unity because we're all together and we recognize that great fact. The joy of worship is unity, but secondly, the joy of, you, of worship is humility. Verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The joy of worship is humility. And the purpose as we gather together in humility and unity is to worship our God and encourage each other as we're doing that. You know, if I was a teacher, 
I would have been so encouraged by praying and being led in prayer by our shepherd, Matt Hawes, a few minutes ago. Because what our teachers know is that they are facing children day in and day out who haven't had the blessing that many of our kids have. The blessing of being taught, the blessing of being encouraged, the blessing of having a good example of how you should act, the blessing of hearing how one should respect authority, including teachers. I'll tell you, Matt, if I was a teacher sitting in one of these pews today, that would have been the highlight of today's worship of service. Sorry, Keith. And that's why we gather together to do this. The purpose of our worship assembly is encouragement. And as Paul is thinking through this, he's trying to come up with a good example of what what this looks like, what these first four verses look like. And so the second part, part B, the focus of our worship assembly is God. Now you're going to feel more comfortable, right? (laughs) The focus of our worship assembly is God. We focus on Jesus. We do that together in order to encourage one another, but we focus on him because the joy of worship is Jesus. And as Paul thinks of the best example he could give to what this looks like, he writes verses 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, something to be grasped and held on to. Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself. That's humility. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, many scholars most think that this was an early Christian hymn, one of the first ones. These few verses right here. And when you think about it, every song the first century church sang that included something about Jesus, guess what that was? <gasps> a new song. Every single one of them. Oh, they were used to the Psalms. They were used to all those hymns they had always sung. But these songs about Jesus, well, those were just written. They were brand new. The joy of worship is Jesus. Why did my Savior come to earth? Because he loved me so. And the joy of worship is praise. Verses 9 through 11. Therefore, because of what he just said or sang. Therefore, God exalted him, Christ, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what our brother Eric Thornton was sharing in that wonderful communion meditation. Think about your greatest gift. It pales in comparison with what? The gift of Jesus Christ. And he's exactly right. The joy of worship is praise. And don't we long for the day when all of creation, all of everything, in heaven, on earth, below the earth, in the sea, the land, wherever, will bow the knee in praise to Jesus. Unity, humility, That's the purpose. We gather together in unity. We gather together in humility so that we can encourage each other. 
as we worship God together. But the focus is Jesus. The focus is praise. The joy of worship is Jesus. The joy of worship is praise. That's the joy of worship. And that's what these verses call us to do, to be considerate of one another and to be mindful of one another. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Have this mind in you. What mind? Well, the mind I've already talked about. The mind of unity, of of humility, of considering others' needs and desires and preferences above your own. What does that look like? Look at Jesus. What he did for you. What he did for me. That's the joy of worship. He is our precious cornerstone. Jesus, you are all to us. In need of Christ, the perfect lamb. My refuge strong. The great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child. I am in need. If that's you today and we can help, come as we stand. Sing our song.